Had it on and I turned it off. That's not good. Good morning. Let's try that again. Especially those who are still a little sleepy from Thanksgiving. I have a question for you this morning. Are you living a thankful life? Maybe you spent some time this week reflecting on what you're thankful for. Maybe over the Thanksgiving meal, you guys took turns, went around, and shared what you're thankful for. But this is a little different. I mean, you could have won a million dollars this week, uh, this year, this week, and be thankful, but you could be a very greedy and selfish person. So my question is, are you living a thankful life? In our journey through the book of Acts, we come to chapter 20, and, and in this, Luke includes a lot of the travel plans that Paul, uh, him going through Macedonia, Greece, and a number of other places on his way to Jerusalem, uh, but we're not going to focus on that. Or we could look at, uh, starting in verse 7, this is a cool little story in verse 7 where that, that really encourages every pastor who has maybe put someone to sleep while they've preached. Um, because Paul is, he's talking to the believers in, and uh, he knows he's going to leave them the next morning. So he's going late into the night and they got the candles and it's warm. And this guy named Eutychus is sitting at the edge of the window. And Luke even says, Paul goes on and on. Hopefully you don't feel that way this morning. But he goes on and on and the guy falls out the window three stories down and dies. So Paul goes and says, don't worry, goes down there and lays upon the guy and God miraculously uh, brings him back to life. <laughs> they go back upstairs, have communion. Paul continues talking till daylight as if nothing ever happened. I mean, this guy just died. It's just a cool story, but we're not going to focus on that. But uh, we could also look at, you know, Paul talks about uh, some of the wonderful uh, uh, challenges to the elders and... Um, what their role is as an elder, and, uh, but that's for a later time as well. So, um, I, you know, I did look at how long tryptophan, is that, is that what it's called, tryptophan in Turkey? Lasts, uh, you know, for some of you maybe this morning who might be a little sleepy as well. So, uh, you know, if you're sitting next to someone who's on the aisle seat, maybe just keep an eye on them. Because, uh, I mean, they're not going to die, but, you know, it might be uncomfortable if they fall asleep. And if you're online, you're probably... Well, you're probably sitting on your couch anyway, so don't worry about it. Not going to be an issue. But what do I want to talk about? <clears throat> Paul invites the Ephesian elders to come visit him at Miletus on his way to Jerusalem. And what he shares with them is incredibly personal. And I think gives us great insight into Paul's attitude about his life and his ministry. You know, it's often our last words to people that uh, are succinct and really reveal what's important to us. And Paul believes that this is the last time he's going to see these, uh, these elders. And so he wants to, one last time, impress upon them what it means to live a life worthy of the grace that we have received. A thankful life. You see, he had lived that way. In verse 18, we'll see that he begins by saying, you know how I lived with you the whole time I was with you. And he ends with verse 35, kind of like bookends, in everything I did. So he says, you've seen this you know, in my life, but I just want to spend these last few moments again impressing upon you what it means to live a thankful life. 
So if you have your Bibles, if you could follow along, I'm going to pick up on verse 17 of Acts chapter 20, verse 17. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you but I've taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know how these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Five items that flow out of a thankful life. First of all, a thankful life is filled with humility. In verse 19, as he begins to talk to them, he says, he reminded them, I I served the Lord with with great humility. You know, if anyone had a reason to boast, it was the Apostle Paul. I mean, his upbringing was stellar. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was from the, the tribe that you wanted to be from. He was zealous for God and righteous according to the law. But when he came to Christ, he said that was all worthless. But think about how he came to Christ. I mean, Jesus spoke to him directly on the road to Damascus. appeared to him in the light. Called him to be an apostle to the Gentiles. 
I mean, think about just Paul's ministry here in Ephesus. If you were here last week and, and heard Pastor Matt speak, I mean, due to Paul's ministry, Luke records to us that all the Jews and Greeks in the area heard about Jesus because of Paul. All of them. God did extraordinary miracles through him. Even his used hankies were used to heal people and cast out demons. In the whole area, the name of Jesus was held in great honor. I mean, Paul was the poster child for church planting. I mean, he could have spoke at any church planting conference or seminar. He could have had his own YouTube channel. I mean, he could have had his own hanky line and put it right next to the Testaments at the Christian bookstore. Have you seen those Testaments? I mean, why we need Christian mints, I don't know. I don't know if they freshen your breath any more than regular mints or not. He could have demanded to be paid like many other traveling speakers who were supported by their own disciples. But instead, in verse 34, he chose to work to supply for the needs of himself and his companion. You see, Paul knew that everything he was and everything he had was a gift from Jesus. That, as a matter of fact, he was worthy of nothing but God's wrath apart from Christ. When he writes Timothy, he, he says that I am the worst of sinners. But it's God's grace that was poured out on me abundantly. Even his ministry was a gift. You know, some people in ministry, you kind of get the impression that they think that they are a gift to God. <laughs> you know, God, you are lucky to have me on your team. Not the Apostle Paul. He wrote the Ephesians later, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God. The gift of God's grace given to me. <laughs> gift, grace, given Paul knew that he was serving Jesus and his bride, the bride that Jesus purchased. He was serving the one who humbled himself, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of God, who humbled himself and came here to serve Paul. Paul would later write, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Would people describe you as a humble person? Have you realized that everything in your life, your education, growing up here in America that's been richly blessed, the people that have poured into your life, have all been part of God's goodness. A thankful life, number two, is filled with encouragement. Right before Paul left Ephesus, Luke records that he went around and he encouraged the disciples. And then he went through Macedonia for a while and, it said, and he gave many words of encouragement to the people. And now in, in verse 20, he says, I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. And then verse 32, now I commit to you to God and the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance 
among those who are sanctified. You know, Paul wanted the people to leave his presence encouraged, strengthened in the faith with their eyes on Jesus. He wanted them more prepared to one day see Jesus. And he knew that the best way to encourage them, the best way to build them up was to share with them God's word. Because nothing had become more important in Paul's life. Nothing had given him more comfort, more strength, more confidence, more courage than the word of God. You know, sometimes people share with us a challenge or some discouraging thing they're going through. And it's, it's really, it's kind of hard to know what to say. And I find in those times the most important thing is for me just to share a portion of God's word that has been an encouragement to me, that has strengthened me, that, is, that has given me hope. Because God's word is living and active and powerful. And so the more we know God's word, the more we fill our life and our hearts and our minds with it, the more we can encourage others. When you read, you're not just reading for yourself. You're reading so that maybe someday you can use that to encourage someone else, to build them up. And maybe you don't know much of the Bible. Well, hey, there's a great event coming. Walk through the Bible. And it's, what? What is it now? Free. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Number three, a thankful life is filled with purpose. You know, Paul came to understand that Jesus, the Son of God, came on a mission for him. That Jesus came to live a righteous life that he could one day offer Paul. That Jesus came to die on a cross covered with Paul's sin, taking upon God's wrath for him. He came on a mission to claim Paul as a child of God. And so out of thankfulness for what Jesus did for him, Paul, he lived with a sense of mission. And so look at verse 22. Compelled, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. A few verses later, he says, therefore I declare to you that I am innocent of the blood of all men. He, he, you know, he meant in that area. Well, why could he say that? Because he had been intentional in sharing the good news about Christ with all of the people around him. I mean, he was on mission. He wrote to the Corinthians, when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Here's a different word, but the idea is the same. Necessity, intentionality. If Jesus came to live and die for him, he wanted to live for Jesus and was prepared to die. He knew that Jesus said to those who much have been entrusted, much is expected. Paul's goal was to live on God's agenda. God, what do you have for me today? And for three years, that was being in Ephesus and preaching the good news of Christ, but God's orders changed. 
And so now he says that he was compelled to go to Jerusalem. But this wasn't a vacation. He knew it was going to be difficult. The Spirit was already warning him. Difficulties are coming. But he didn't want to be in the comfort zone. That's, that's not where he wanted to live. He wanted to live really in the spirit zone where God's spirit was leading him. Just like Jesus led the apostles when he was on earth, Paul wanted to now be led by the spirit of Christ. He believed in divine appointments and was, was always looking for them. And you know, sometimes we call ourselves servants of Jesus, but, but how often do we listen to what our master wants us to do? Are we living on his agenda or our agenda? Is it God's agenda for your today, for this week, for this year? You know, sometimes it doesn't matter if you're building a sermon or building a window or whatever you do, but it's the attitude in which you do it. Knowing that God has placed you there to be a representative of him. To represent and point people to Jesus. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. For a thankful life is filled with selflessness. Verse 24 is really one of my favorite verses in the Bible because it captures so much about Paul. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. I mean, Paul wasn't saying that he didn't value his life or his life wasn't important. What he's doing is he's weighing two different kinds of life. And that he realized that a life spent on yourself selfishly, where all you consider is, is, is your agenda, your dreams, your comfort, your wealth, all that, in the end, is empty compared to a life that is spent living for others, living for Christ. That that is the kind of life that is truly reflected of a thankful heart. Paul realized this present life was a vapor, fleeting, soon to be gone, and the value of it is how we live for Christ. Paul wrote about Jesus in Philippians 2 that Jesus emptied himself. Emptied himself. Was selfless to come and to serve us. He wanted to live with the same attitude. And that's why he wrote to Timothy later, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I love that. Who are the most joyful people you know? 
I imagine they are the ones who've learned the secret. The joy of giving. The joy of living selflessly like Jesus. Near the end of this chapter, Paul reminds the elders, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Maybe some of you remember a movie many years ago, Mr. Holland's Opus by Richard Dreyfus. He was a, a music person, and his dream, his passion was to, to create an opus, a, a musical masterpiece. But the reality of life and paying bills hits, and so he became a band teacher at a high school. He thought he could do both, you know, be the band teacher and still work on his opus, but as he began to pour his life into these students, there wasn't much left over year after year pouring himself into these students. Until something happened to the school, there was budget cuts and they had to let him go and, and get rid of his position. He's walking out of the school with his box of belongings. And all of a sudden he hears something in the gym. And so he walks over there and the door opens. And the gym is filled with all his current students and all his previous students. They usher him to the front to the stage where there were a number of them who brought their instruments and could still play well. And they allowed him to conduct what was so far written of his opus. And they played it for him. I mean, the beautiful thing is not what they did. But they were his opus. I mean, they were his life's masterpiece because he had poured his life into them. That's a great picture of a thankful life. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Lastly, a thankful life is filled with grace. What was the most important thing for Paul to do in his life to accomplish before he passed away? Acts 20, 24. It goes on to say, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. That's what he wanted his life to be about. Later, he could write to the Ephesians, make the most of every opportunity. And we get that impression as we read about Paul that that's what he did. He made the most of every opportunity, no matter who he was with, where he was at, what kind of situation he was in. He wanted to bring God's grace into that moment. And so he heads to Jerusalem. He speaks of God's grace. He has to appear before the Sanhedrin. He speaks of God's grace. He's arrested and taken prisoner to Felix, the governor, what does he do? He speaks about Jesus. To Festus, the next governor. Then to King Agrippa. And then the island of Malta while shipwrecked. And then he, finally he's in Rome. And we'll get there in, the, in our journey in Acts where he's a prisoner in Rome. He's really kind of in house arrest. They allow him to rent a house, but he's under arrest. He's got guards with him. But what does he do? Talks about Jesus. And you know, there's, there's historical evidence that many Roman guards became believers because of Paul. 
I mean, who was captive? He didn't think he was captive. He had a captive audience who was guarding him, who he could speak to Jesus about. He could bring God's grace into that moment, testifying about Jesus. And the beauty thing about God's grace is you can pass it on to as many people as you'd like, and it never runs out. And you'll never experience any less of it. As a matter of fact, the more you share it, the more you experience its power and beauty as you see it work in another person's heart. What task has God given you? What situation? What place? What heart? What relationship? Can you bring God's grace into that maybe you're the only one who can do it? The task that he has given you. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Are you thankful today? And does your life show it? Maybe next year at Thanksgiving, instead of reflecting what, what you're thankful for, maybe it'd be a good time to reflect on your life. And how has it reflected a thankful heart? Has it been filled with humility, encouragement, for others, a sense of purpose, intentionality. You feel that you've been compelled by God's Spirit and led by God's Spirit to serve Jesus in different ways, filled with selflessness, where you've been able to pour out to others in the name of Christ filled with God's grace. Maybe this morning, maybe you're just visiting, maybe you came with, dragged along with some family members and you think, I don't know if I have much to be thankful for. Maybe you feel kind of lost, hopeless, maybe broken. And I would love to visit with you. Those on staff here at Hope would love to share with you the one who can give you a thankful life about Jesus who came and humbled himself, emptied himself for you, to came to walk on this earth to show God, but ultimately to die for you so that one day he could pour out his grace and his love and his mercy into your heart and into your life. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for, uh, for this day as we've gathered together. And, and uh, Lord, we have certainly so much to be thankful for. Your goodness in so many, many ways. Lord, even when we're going through difficult and challenging times, there's still so much around us that is a reflection of your goodness to us. But ultimately, Lord, we know the greatest gift was you coming and serving us. To humbly 
pouring yourself out to us so that one day we may have life that is truly life that we might be forgiven of our sins and brought into God's presence, reconciled to him as his child, that our life could be filled with your presence and your spirit and your word to guide us and direct us and encourage us so that we might be an encouragement to others. Lord, I pray that each heart here today might be open to your fullness so that we can live thankful lives. In Jesus' name, amen.